In this presentation, we will take a look at example exercises related to adjustments to qualified education expenses for American Opportunity Credit. This information can be found in publication 970. Example 1. No scholarship. Bill Pass, age 28 and unmarried, enrolled full-time in 2018 as a first-year student at a local college to earn a degree in law enforcement. This was his first year of post-secondary education. During 2018, he paid $5,600 of his qualified education expenses and $4,400 for his room and board for fall 2018 semester. He and the college met all the requirements for the American Opportunity Credit. So we're talking that he qualifies and the, qualify, uh, the college qualifies for the institution. It looks like in this example, back to the text, Bill's adjusted gross income, AGI, and his modified adjusted gross income. Remember that oftentimes those two will be the same thing because that's important because it's going to come into play in terms of uh, if we get too much, if we have earnings that are high, we may be limited due to the AGI limitations. So AGI is going to be on, this is our test uh, 1040, our simple single individual, not exactly the same problem, but we have some similar information. Line seven then is your uh, AGI and adjusted AGI is just going to be a bit adjusted for this particular credit. And you'll see that kind of terminology with different types of uh, credits when we discuss different types of credits. Back to the text. And his uh, four purposes of his credit are 34700 Bill claims the standard deduction of 12000 resulting in taxable income of 22700 and an income tax liability before credits of 2537 Bill claims no credits other than the American Opportunity Credit. He figures his American Opportunity Credit based on qualified education expenses of 4000 which result in a credit of 2500 and a tax liability after credits of 37 here is our test 1040. We have the simple single individual. We don't have the, na the name being the same, but we have a single individual. We'll repeat some of this information. So we said that the wages were 34,700. So that's gonna, not going to be above the AGI cap. So if we have the AGI, then no other adjustments to it, then being that 34,700. The 12,000 was the amount of the standard deduction for a single individual bringing the taxable income to 22,700. Tax then calculated at 2,537. And then we come to the credit. So we can see the credit in line 12, we have the 1,500. So the 1,500 bringing that 2,537 down to 1,037. And then we also see part of the credit down here on line uh, C form 8863 line 17, which is the 1000. So these two, the 1500 and this 1000 bring the credit up to 2500, which is then resulting in the amount owed of 37. No other payments are shown, no other credits shown on this return. If we go to the schedule three then, We'll see the 1,500 part of the credit that was calculated. It's coming from form 8863. If we then go to form 8863, we'll see the calculations of this. So if we go to page two, then uh, this is going to give the information whether it qualifies for a uh, which credit we qualify for lifetime learning or the American Opportunity Credit. We here qualify for the American Opportunity Credit 
because we have a qualified institution and student. We're going to say that there was uh, 4,000, so the maximum is 4,000. He had over the 4,000, so we'll have the max of 4,000, subtracting the 2,000, and then we multiply a line 28 by 25%, and we get the 500. So then it says in line 30, if line 28 is zero, enter the amount on line 27. Otherwise, add 2,000 to the amount on line 29. Uh, and enter the result. So there's the 2,500. If we then go up to page one, so if we go to page one, we then see the 2,500 in line one, which says after completing part three, for each student enter the total for all amounts uh, from all parts three. And then line two says enter 180 if married, filing jointly 90 if single. Those are the caps. Remember, those are gonna be the, the phase out caps. So, and then if we go to line three, it says enter the amount from 1040 line seven. That's the uh, adjusted gross income, AGI. So that's on the 1040 line seven. If you're filing form 2555 or 2555EZ or 4563 foreign income forms typically, uh, then you'll have this other information. I won't go into that now. So this is the adjusted gross income, which is equivalent to the income because that's all, there were no adjustments to it. So we have the 34,700. Line four says subtract uh, line three from line two. If we subtract these two out, then we have the 55,300. And then it says if zero or less, stop. You can't take the education credit because what, we're, what they're testing there, of course, is the cap limitation, which for the single filer as we are here is the 90,000. Number, line five then says, I uh, entered 20,000 if married filing jointly, 10,000 if filing head of household or qualified widow. We then enter the 10,000. Line six says, if line four is equal or more than line five, enter one on line six. So we have the one on line six. Line seven says, multiply line one by line six. So th this is of course one that brings down the 7,000. And line five says, Refundable American Opportunity Credit, multiply line 7 by 40% into the amount here uh, on Form 1040. So this amount, the reason we're multiplying by the 40% is because it, it, this 1,000, this amount is refundable. That's going to be on the lower level of the 1040. So that's what's going to go on line 9. So if we go back to the 1040 and we scroll down and we, and we have this amount, I'm sorry, line 17, that's the 1,000 that's refundable. The reason it's important, if we could put it down here and we could always just put it down here, that 40%, because it doesn't matter whether or not the liability goes down below zero or not. Uh, this refundable portion will always be there uh, whether or not the liability is zero or not. And that's why it, it can be put down here. That's the justification of breaking this credit out, the 2,500 between line 17C and line 12. So let's go back to our form. So we can see this line 18, we multiply times 40% to get the 1,000. And then we enter that on 17C of the 1040, which we just saw. And then part two, subtract line eight from line seven, which is going to leave us with that 1,500, which is remaining. And we won't go through all the rest of the line items, but in essence, we're going to skip down here to line 19, non-refundable educational credits. This is the portion that'll take us down to zero meaning there, there could be a wage limitation. There's not one here, but there, if there was, then of course this would be limited to the wage limitation. We'll see examples of that later. And then we enter this amount up top. So if we go back up to the, that's gonna go 
to the schedule three and then that'll also go to the 1040. So that's just basically a, a little bit of the logistics of it as we actually see the example in the form. Example, scholarship excluded from income. So now the facts are gonna be the same as example one, which had no scholarship, except that Bill was awarded a 5,600 scholarship. So now we have the 5,600 scholarship and that of course is not taxable income. So under the terms of this scholarship, it may be used to pay any educational expenses, including room and board. If Bill excludes the scholarship income from scholarship from income, he will be deemed for purposes of filing this education credit to have applied the scholarship to pay his tuition, uh, required fees and course material. His adjusted uh, qualified education expenses would be zero and he wouldn't have an educational credit. Therefore, Bill's tax liability after credits would be 2537. Back to our test 1040. So we have this simple single individual. And now the information is the same, except basically now we're saying that that income that was received, the scholarship was received, it's not included in the 34,700. He earned this 34,700. We're going to assume it's W2 income. And then he got scholarship income over and above that for the scholarship income. And it's not, it's not included in this income, therefore not taxable. Well, because it's not included in line one income and not increase in the tax potentially, we can't use it for the credit. So it's not going to be part of the credit. So therefore, we just have the standard calculation, same information, bringing us down to the taxable income of 22700 the tax of 2537 And of course, that's the tax that would be the result. And there's no credit because there's no qualified expenses. Back to the text, example three. Scholarship partially included in income. The facts are the same as example two, except the scholarship excluded from income. So it's the same as example two, where the entire scholarship was excluded, not included in income. If, unlike example two, Bill includes 4,000 of the scholarship in income, he, he will be deemed to have applied that amount to pay for room and board. The remaining 1,600 of the 5,600 scholarship would reduce his qualified education expenses and his qualified uh, education expenses would be 4,000. Bill's AGI and uh, modified AGI, adjusted gross income, would increase to 38,700. His taxable income would increase to 26,700 and his tax liability before credits would increase to 3,070. Based on his adjusted qualified education expenses of 4,000 bill would be able to claim the American Opportunity Credit of 2,500 and his tax liability after credits would be 517. This one's a little bit tricky. Let's take a look at this one in our test 1040, our simple single individual. Again, the name's gonna be different, but we'll scroll down through this and we'll say, okay, so now he's got the 34,700, we're gonna say is his W-2 income. Now he got a scholarship income, which generally isn't included in income. But we're saying, hey, you know, if it's not included in income, that's kind of like a deduction. And the deduction's not as good as the credit. So the fact is that if we paid for the scholarship income, we would rather basically include it in income so that we can then use it as a credit. That might be a better situation. And that is in essence what they're saying here. We got the 34,700. I'm going to put it down here as 4,000 of it. We're claiming 4,000 of it as basically income. So now it's included in income, increasing the income to 38,700. Well, why would we do that? 
uh, if we're not if we're not required to because it's a scholarship that typically isn't included in income. And if we could have a choice, we may want to do that because we could see the result on the taxes will actually possibly be better given the fact that if we didn't include this in income, it would be kind of like a deduction. It, it would be like this going up by 4000 and then having a deduction. But if we included an income, we get a credit. So let's see what that would look like. So now we have the 38700 minus the 12000 bringing the uh, taxable income to 26700 The tax then calculated at 3017 And then we have our credit here. So now we're eligible for the credit because we're going to say 4000 was paid for education expenses and was included in income. So we have our 1500 on line 12, as we saw before. And that brings uh, the tax down to 5017 And then the refundable portion of the 1000 down below. So that brings the tax to 5517 uh, that is still owed after the credit. So you can see that that could be a beneficial type situation. And that's a demonstration, of course, that the credit is worth a lot more. Now, the rest of this is similar to the first example. There's the 1500 Schedule 1. And if we go to the calculation, then we see that we now have the 4,000 up top and the same type of calculation to get us to uh, the, the breakout of the, of the 1,000 and the 2,500, in essence, 2,500 credit. Next example, scholarship applied by the post-secondary school to tuition. The facts are the same in example three, scholarship partially included in income, except that 5,600 scholarship is paid directly to the local college. The fact that the local college applied the scholarship to Bill's tuition and related fees doesn't prevent Bill from including 4,000 of scholarship income. As in example three, doing so will be deemed to have applied 4,000 to pay for room and board. Bill would be able to claim the American Opportunity Credit of 2,500 uh, and his tax liability after credits would be 517. So the only difference here, note that the result would be the same, but of course the payment went directly to the school instead of going to bill first. There's no big, there's no difference if that happened. Uh, also note that as, as you claim, as we look at this, part of the, the reasoning behind this is that part of it, the 4,000 is for room and board. So within the scholarship, we kind of want to see the language being that it's going to be for tuition, room and board. And then uh, when we break it out of the 4,000, then we can make obviously that assumption that the 4,000 is going to be paid for room and board and then possibly included in income so that we can then uh, take the credit related to that 4,000 payment for the expenses. Example five, student with a dependent child. Jane Doe, age 28 and unmarried, uh, enrolled full-time as a first-year student at a local technical college to get a certificate as a computer technician. This is her first year of post-secondary education. During 2018, she paid 6000 for qualified education expenses. She and the college met all the requirements for the American Opportunity Credit. Jane has a dependent child, age 10, who is a qualifying child for purposes of receiving earned income credit and the child tax credit. Jane's wage was 20000 Jane withheld no income taxes on this uh, wages and has no other income or adjustments. Jane was awarded a 5500 scholarship. Under the terms of her scholarship, it may be used to pay tuition uh, and any living expenses, including rent. Jane paid 10000 in living expenses in 2018. Okay, if Jane excludes the entire scholarship from income, 
she will be deemed to have applied the entire scholarship to pay for qualified education expenses. Her AGI and modified AGI would be 20000 Her tax liability before credits would be uh, 201 Her qualified education expenses would be reduced to 5000 She would be able to receive uh, 401 American Opportunity Credit, 2000 refundable, 201 non-refundable, a 1400 additional child tax credit, uh, and a 3,243 earned income credit. In total, she would be able to receive tax refund of 4,843. You can see it gets a bit complicated, of course, when we have these multiple credits, child tax credit, earned income credit. Uh, next part, if Jane uh, includes the entire scholarship income, she will be deemed to have applied the entire scholarship to paying her living expenses. Her qualified expenses would be 6,000 and her AGI and MAGI her in adjusted gross income modified adjusted gross would be 25500 her tax before any credits would be 753 uh, and she would be able to receive 1753 american opportunity credit a 1400 additional child tax credit a 2364 earned income credit in total she would be able to receive a tax refund of 4764 so you can see a fairly you know similar result whether whether jane in this case included the the amount that she received as income or not so in this case it probably doesn't look like it has a, a big benefit I, the easier thing to do you would think would be if you had a, the option to not include it in income up top and uh, and have have the refund up top which is a little bit better in any case Let's see if we can recreate a similar example here. So we have our test 1040. We're not going to change the name. So we have the same name here, but now we have a dependent. So here's our dependent. We have the dependent child. We have the child tax credit with relation to it. We have the 20,000 then in income. So 20,000 of income, 18,000 for the standard deduction, because now we have the head of household status. That brings the taxable income down to 2,000. So now we have taxable income of 2,000. Tax is only uh, $201. So the tax is very low. So that means that we have to deal with whether it's refundable or not, because that's we, we want to get money back even though we have no tax and nothing was paid in at this case. That's what kind of what we're looking for. Now, of course, the above the line deduction, this amount here uh, relates to line 12. So that's line 12, which is going to be on schedule three. And we can see that is going to be the education credit. So 201 education credit is applied. And the reason it's 201 is because that's what's needed to bring it down to zero. That's going to be the credit that's not refundable. And then down here, we have all the stuff that's refundable, which now includes an earned income credit. We're not going to get into at this point, but you, you know that's going to be part of an earned income credit. And then we've got the Schedule 883 and then the form, and that's going to be part of the child tax credit. And that's the refundable port. We won't get into that too, but note that these all kind of work together. And then we got the form 8863, which is the 200. That's the one we're concentrating on here, which is the education credits. So we have the 200 here and the 204, 401 total benefit from this particular credit in this situation. You can see how they all work together with uh, when we get these refundable credits with like the earned income credit, child tax credit. So if we go to our form then and take a look at the education credit, we can see that in uh, page two, we had 500. Why is it only 500? They, she paid 6,000, but then she got 5,500 back. So really she only paid 
five hundred net then, right? She paid five six thousand for the tuition and whatnot, got five thousand five hundred back. So only five hundred was was paid. We would have to net those two out. So in that case, then if we go to page one, we have the five hundred up top, and then the five hundred, and then the refundable American Opportunity Credit is going to be forty percent of that. So the five hundred times forty percent is refundable. That's the amount that could be received even if the tax liability is zero. And then if we subtract uh, these out, then we have the 201, which is the non-refundable portion. So that's how it's being broken out. If we go back up top, then of course, the refundable is this 200 and the 201 non-refundable. Let's take a look at this scenario for Jane now, because this is the next thing we would probably think about doing here. If Jane includes 3,500, which is of course what she would need to get that maximum of 4,000 of the scholarship income, she will be deemed to have applied 3,500 of scholarship uh, to pay living expenses, 2,000 to pay qualified tuition expenses. Her qualified education expenses would be 4,000 then, and her AGI and modified AGI would be 23,500. Her tax liability uh, before any credits would be 553. She would be able to receive 1,553 American Opportunity Credit, 1,000 refundable, and 553 non-refundable, a 1,400 additional child tax credit, and a 2,684 earned income credit. In total, she would able to be to receive 5,084. So that's the next, we could try, okay, what if we did the same kind of trick here? Here's our test 1040 again. And we said, oh, we're not getting the full benefit of this credit. How can we get the full benefit? Well, if we have an option, we're going to take our test 1040. And the next thing we would think about is say, well, uh, how about we include 3,500 of that scholarship as income? Because that increases the amount that we could say is qualified education expenses to the 4,000, maximizing the potential credit we could get. So now we're going to say, all right, she made 20,000 plus 3,500, I'm just going to add it in other income, and that would give us the 23,500 for income. The 18,000 standard deduction brings the uh, adjusted gross in, or brings the uh, taxable income to 5,500, the tax at 553, larger now, which means that we're going to get some more credit that is non, is the credit that we get that's non-refundable above the line. That's line 12 at the 553, bringing the tax down to zero. Then we have all the refundable credits down here, which includes the earned income credit, the child tax credit, and then the other half of this 1,000 for our, the credit we're focusing on, the education credit. So that brings us to 5,083 on the refund. So we get a bit better situation as you would expect. If we go then to line three then, there's gonna be that uh, 553 from the education credit. If we then go to our education credits now, we'll see that we now have the 4,000 rather than the 500 because we included 3,500 in income. We can take the full 4,000 and that gives us in essence uh, more that we can, we can deduct. Let's go back here. <laughs> I lost it there for a second. So that's the 2,500. If we then go to page one, we got the 2,500. But of course, we're going to have limitations with the income limitations or we possibly could have limitations with regards to the income. So here's the 20, the 40%, which is the refundable portion, the amount that will take the liability down to zero. There's the 1,000. And then here's the 53 or the 553 that's going to be the non-refundable education credit. You can take a look at this worksheet to see how uh, that 
553 was arrived at from the original 1500 which of course is if we go to the 1040 that 553 so there's the 553 limiting it to take us back down to zero and then the other 1000 it is what it is so it's it's uh, the 40 percent of the 2005 of the 2500 in this case so it is what it is it's 1000 it'll be 1000 wh whether this amount takes it down to zero or not resulting in that 5083 back to the text and now we might say well that's good but can we do better we want more so we're gonna see is there any can we maximize this any more than that another example if jane includes 1500 of the scholarship in income she will be deemed to have applied 1500 of scholarship paid to the living expenses and 4000 to pay qualified education expenses her qualified education expenses would be 2000 and her agi and modified agi would be 21500 her tax liability before uh, any credits would be 353 she would be able to receive 1153 american opportunity credit 800 refundable and 353 non-refundable a 1400 additional child tax credit and 3003 earned income credit in total she would be able to receive a refund of 5203 a little bit better so now so now we're saying that we're going to include uh we're just going to test this out and say all right well what if we included 1500 in scholarship income if we have that option that would bring the total qualified expenses not to the maximum of four thousand but to two thousand because we had five hundred that was above that we paid over and above the scholarships plus the two thousand one thousand five hundred but we would have to include this in income so we'd include this in income and then we'd have the the qualified expenses at two thousand and that results in this and we could test this out and of course tax liability tax software helps to test these things out so if we were to say okay we have our test 1040 we have our simple single individual and we're going to say now we have the 20,000 we included 1,500 now only 1,500 as income so that we can then increase the amount that we said was a qualified expense from uh just the 500 to 2,000 now 500 to 2,000 our income then is 21,500. The standard deduction 18,000 from the standard deductions for married filing joint gives us the 3,500 income, 353 of tax. And so that's gonna be our tax. Now, of course, the taxes that are uh, non-refundable up top 353, and then the refundable taxes are gonna be the earned income credit, the child tax credit, and of course, what we're focusing on, the education credit of 800 now resulting in money of 5302 so 5302 and then we could see this information on the education credit where we only have if we go to page two we've only got the 2000 now so the 2000 is going to be the amount of education expenses the 500 over and above what we got paid back and the 1500 we included in income for the american opportunity credit that'll be then the, the 2000 and then 40 percent of that is 800 so 800 is going to be the amount that is uh refundable that we get no matter what and then uh the the other amount is going to be limited to the amount of liability in our case so the 353 so of course the 353 up top is the limit on the liability and then this 800 instead of the 1000 we're used to seeing is limited because of course instead of instead of having the 2500 times the 0.4 we only have uh the the limit and if we go back to our form that basically resulted in this 2000 times 0.4 and that's going to give us that 800 so 
uh, that's why that changed to the 800 amount in the 1040 that we would basically get back uh, no matter what, even if the tax liability was at zero. So yeah, you can see how these credits can be quite complicated <laughs> as we as we play through the earned income credit uh, and the refundable credits versus the non-refundable credits. Back to the text. Note whether you will benefit from applying a scholarship or fellowship grant to a non-qualified uh, expenses will depend on the amount of students' qualified education expenses, the amount of scholarship or fellowship grant, and whether the scholarship or fellowship grant may, by itself, be used to for non-qualified expenses. So, no, you have that's one of the qualifications. It's got to be within the terms of the grant that we can have that flexibility to say it's used for non-qualified expenses so that we can then take that amount out. Uh, so back to the text. Any benefit uh, will also depend on the student's federal and state marginal tax rate as well as any federal and state tax credits the student claims. Before deciding, look at the total amount of your federal and state tax refunds or taxes owed and if the student is your dependent, the student's tax refunds or taxes owed. For example, if you are the student and you also claim an earned income credit, choosing to apply a scholarship or fellowship grant to non-qualified expenses may include the amount in your earned income in your earned income may benefit you if the increase in your American Opportunity Credit is more than the increase to uh, your earned income credit. So note the earned income credit is a really, really kind of funny type of credit because obviously it goes up as income goes up or as earned income goes up to a certain point and then it plateaus and, and falls back down. So as, of course, we adjust things like earned income, the amount of income we have, it has an impact on these all these types of credits which have um, which could either phase out as, as in income goes up or have a refundable portion and a non-refundable portion. And that uh, includes, of course, the, the biggest impact of that type of situation is the earned income credit. So anytime we change, in other words, the income levels, then it could have some adjustments to the earned income credit.